chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. The first transfer portal window closes in a few days, and while some players are still entering, others are exiting and finding their new homes. It is Monday, January 16th. This is the College Football Daily. I am Lance Glenn. Players are increasingly exiting the portal as the window comes to a close this week. And on today's episode, we are going to discuss the 10 perfect fits heading into 2023. And joining me to run through some of the names and fits is Brendan Sinone. He covers Florida State for Knowles 247 as well as the transfer portal for 247sports.com. So, Brendan, thanks so much for coming on. We're not going to hit on all 10 names here, only a few. And, of course, make sure to check out the full article on 247sports.com and see the complete list of 10. I mentioned you also obviously cover Florida State, Knowles 247, as well as the portal. So let's start with a name for the Seminoles, and that's Fentrell Cypress, the Virginia transfer cornerback who will be playing in Tallahassee next season. We have him as a top five player in our transfer portal rankings so what makes him such a good fit for Mike Norvell and in Adam Fuller's defense with the Seminoles? Yeah, Ventral Cypress is someone when he entered the transfer portal, I was super intrigued to see where he would land. And as it turns out, like we ended up ranking him really high because it was deserving. He he has a really unique skill set and that he has one good size. He's six foot one eighty-five, so prototypical there. Two, very good long speed, uh turn and burn ability. But then three, what I think I really like uh, from Fentrell, and actually he goes by Deuce, so I'll call him Deuce Cypress. Uh, the rest of the way here is that he plays with a ton of energy, and that is apparent just watching a few minutes of like any game of his. Like he is hustling from sideline to sideline. He's extremely willing and uh, engaged in the run game and perimeter defense. Like so, he has the makings of a true, like well-rounded, complete cornerback, which is what you need now, like in, in modern college football. You have to have someone who can attack the perimeter that can cover downfield you gotta be able to do a little bit of everything and for florida state and why i think this is such a good fit so fsu beats out uh, lsu it beats out ohio state it beats out ucla and there are a few other teams that were really in the mix here Uh, but fsu and and adam fuller specifically were able to kind of get ahead of the curve start recruiting fentrell pretty early on in the process they sell him on one immediate playing time. FSU's cornerbacks were somewhat of a weakness this past year. Now they had a top 25 defense and they may do with what they had, but they did not get elite cornerback play. Uh, now all of a sudden with, with Deuce in the picture, you can sell him on playing either boundary or perimeter corner or a field corner, excuse me. And you have a good mixture of body types now at the position group. And I think that's what makes this such a good fit is you can use his skill set, which I I alluded to is super unique and versatile. Uh, You could use him in a variety of ways and he could fit in with say like a Jerry and Jones for FSU, who is a big cornerback with some ability to play in the slot, or you can put him uh, on the boundary, which is where Renardo Green played this past year. And Renardo's more of a safety type of like physical player. And you can move Renardo to safety now. So you get all these malleable chess pieces in the secondary and Deuce really just upgrades the top end of that position group. So the ability to use them all over the place, I think is entirely 
pricing for Deuce, uh, and then obviously for FSU, like the fact that you feel confident making him that, that mix and match type of player in your secondary and he fills the need. Like, yeah, that, that's a really good fit for FSU. And it takes a, I, I guess I won't call it a weakness. Maybe it isn't fair, but take a, a position group that wasn't the strongest this past year. And I, I think it gives it gives you a chance to make that a strength, which, yeah, that, that's that's important for FSU. That, that makes them, this is a team, Lance, that has the hope of contending for an ACC title and maybe something more than that. And, and Deuce Cypress is someone I think that could help propel you to that caliber of play. You bring up a good point. Obviously, Mike Norvell using the portal this cycle to fill in some holes as obviously FSU, a lot of people, a lot of pundits have them as a potential top five team heading into next year. Obviously, they bring back Jared Verse on the defensive side too, which was a huge win for that staff and a huge win for that program uh, that he doesn't go to the NFL. Uh, so bringing in a guy like Deuce Cypress, obviously, like you said, it, it fills a position that maybe wasn't a weakness, but definitely wasn't a strength for the Seminoles and helps upgrade the talent level in that secondary. Let's stick with Florida State. Another transfer involving them, this one heading somewhere else, is running back Treshawn Ward. He's going from the Knolls to Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn, obviously NFL bound. Chris Kleiman, he needs an explosive back to replace him and, and make up some of the production he's had in Manhattan the last few seasons. So why do you think Ward is the right guy for Kansas State and the Wildcats backfield next year? Yeah, I love this fit. I know that's the whole context of the article is fits that I love and I love, love this, I guess. Like this, this just makes a ton of sense on paper to me. Treshawn Ward was a ton of fun to cover. He went from being a preferred walk-on to a scholarship player to someone who led the ACC in carries, or sorry, excuse me, yards per carry two seasons in a row. Um, so, so someone who was a really good piece for Florida State and and Mike Norvell and and listen, like FSU's offense and, and Mike Norvell has done this at Memphis as well. Like running backs are going to eat. Like that's just. That's how the offense is designed. Uh, they've had the you know, Trayshawn Ward, the yard per carry leader in the ACC the last two seasons. And then they've also had the number two uh, back in the ACC in yards per carry as well each of the last two seasons. Trey Benson this past year, year before that was Jay Sean Corbin. Oh, and the year before that, they had the yard per carry leader, Lawrence Tofilly as well. So like that, running backs are going to thrive in FSU system under Mike Norvell. I think that that's documented at this point. That That's a thing. But that doesn't take away from Trayshawn Ward being a very good, creative explosive back he doesn't have elite speed but what he does have is is really high-end quickness he has i would argue elite vision or close to it uh, fsu would put him in as your wildcat running back near the goal line largely because of how he saw little creases open up and was able to kind of pace and and then find them and, and then explode in, into the gap and and score uh so he did a lot of things well for fsu and he was kind of this nice insurance policy when the run game wasn't working if you weren't able to get like the outside stretch going with Trey Benson like we saw against Oklahoma like Trayshawn Ward was your running back to the rescue because he could make it work so he did a lot of things really well but his time at FSU comes to an end because FSU's running back position group its backfield is getting increasingly loaded you bring back Trey Benson who I think has legit NFL upside you bring back Lawrence Stoll Philly they have a underclassman in Rodney Hill who they really like and, and and so this is just I guess kind of the cost of doing business as your program gets a little bit better and Trayshawn Ward wanted about 15 or so carries per game. I think Mike Norvell could only assure him of about 10 or so, which isn't out of the norm for Norvell's, the way he rotates running backs. But Trayshawn Ward, again, former walk-on, who's had some injury issues. He's entering year five of college football. Like He has a, a finite amount of time at that position to make it to the NFL. And so he goes to Kansas State. And, and what I love about this fit is, okay, I've, I'm Treshawn Ward's skill set is documented, but like how he fits for, for Kansas State, like they showed they could use a diminutive, quick running back 
at a high level in Deuce Vaughn that you alluded to. Kansas State's offense, for whatever reason, just they had this level of physicality and grittiness and like this blue collar mindset to them. And I think it just fits really well into what Trayshawn Ward does. And you look at what Kansas State has done in its run blocking scheme the last couple of years, very, very high end efficiency. I think they're, they've been in the top five in yards per carry before contact each of the last two years. So Trayshawn goes to a school that is going to run the ball. It's going to run it effectively. And it's going to use him and value him in the way that I think he he, he deserves to, to be. Um, so he'll have ample opportunity to get carries and potentially explosive carries. So he'll be a featured back. And, and yeah, it's a really good fit for both parties, I think. Yeah. And you mentioned as a running back, obviously, he only has a finite amount of time to make it to the NFL mm-hmm. and to really maximize his value uh, in the pros. And he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be that feature back in order to get to that next level. And Kansas State provides him that opportunity or that maybe Florida State, even if you were to get 10 to 12 carries a game, wouldn't have necessarily provided him. Let's go to the quarterbacks. Wisconsin, the new head coach, Luke Fickle, they brought in Tanner Mordecai, transfer from SMU to be the QB of the present for the Badgers. Remember, of course, Luke Fickle brought in Phil Longo to run that offense, which will be a a big change uh, for people who watch Wisconsin from what the Badgers are are used to doing, uh, obviously, with, with such a strong run game. How does Mordecai fit in that offense so well? Why was this grab so important for Luke Fickle heading into year one? This is a super intriguing fit and intriguing that like I think it could be really, really good uh, but there's going to be a, because you're talking about a new offense and a new style of football that you alluded to, man, like that, this is going to be different at Wisconsin but I, I think there's like the potential for this to be a perfect marriage. Uh, Tanner Mordecai did a fantastic job of running SMU's pretty open offense the last couple of years. Uh, 7,000 passing yards 70 touchdowns combined the last two years uh, this is a guy that, that Clint Brewster really really likes for us and thinks this is a great fit and, and like I, I totally get it Phil Longo is a magician with developing quarterbacks we've seen that at UNC with the last couple of QBs he has like guys go into his system and, and they and they thrive and they flourish RPO heavy offense that's predicated on space it, it is balanced though with the run game and I think Tanner Mordecai is going to fit in really well with operating in that type of system uh, he makes quick decisions gets rid of the ball quickly you know Wisconsin is going to have a a good offensive line and, and so like there's pieces in place for him to be that that plug and play quarterback for for Luke Fickle uh, and we've seen like Luke Fickle as a as a head coach I know he's a defensive minded guy but like he is very willing to allow his offense to adjust and to adapt and won't be overbearing though there which is why I think Phil Longo going there is like a like a good fit and and hence uh, Tanner Mordecai is a good fit and the one thing Lance that I'll say like that is a a nice like trickle down effect of this is that yeah, they brought in Nick Evers the Oklahoma quarterback transfer as well and like this allows him to kind of develop at his own pace like when he was brought into Wisconsin I was like is that is that their guy uh, and if so like that's a bit of a roll of the dice uh, just because he's you know was a true freshman this past year when now you allow him to kind of get a year to develop you get to have this this I was going to say someone like to hold a place in line in Tanner Mordecai but I think that's a disservice he's actually pretty high-end talent so it, it makes sense I think for both parties to Mordecai is going to get a really good coach to work under he'll have a good offensive line to play for he obviously goes up to the power five level and gets to show what he can do and with Wisconsin you get that talent and then you're allowed to develop your quarterback of the future at his own pace like yeah like that that makes a lot of sense for both parties for sure again that's kind of when we're talking about fits here it's not just for one one side of it you want to make sure it makes sense for both guys and in this sense I think it really does 
It does, and and it's so interesting, or will be so interesting to see that Wisconsin offense next year. Obviously, Braylon Allen uh, returning at running back. They just landed C.J. Williams, the USC transfer wide receiver as well. So it'll certainly be a different style of offense than what we're used to seeing uh, from the Badgers up there in, in cold, snowy with Madison, Wisconsin. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a couple more names. So keep it locked in. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Joined by Brendan Sinone, he covers the transfer portal for 24-7 Sports as well as Florida State for Knowles 247. So, Brendan, a couple more names to discuss. Anthony Lucas heads from Texas A&M to USC. The defensive line transfer was a five-star in A&M's historic 2022 class. And we saw at the end of last season and in the bowl game, USC's defense, they just they need a lot of help. Uh, they need a lot of help tackling. They need a, help, a lot of help rushing the passer. Uh, they can certainly use anyone they can get. So what kind of fit is Lucas in the trenches as obviously Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, they try to raise the defense to match that Trojans high powered offense. Yeah. So the defensive line has been a priority uh, for the reasons you mentioned, right? And it has been in the transfer portal and USC uses the transfer portal as well as anyone nationally USC, West coast, they Florida state, East Coast, like uh, they're probably doing it as well as anyone uh, from coast to coast. Uh, and so they've leaned on the portal to help revamp that defensive line because they lose a lot of production from that group, a group that had some decent moments this past year, but one mentioned like was exposed to key times as well. They, and that includes like losing their, their top sack leader, the nation's top sack leader. And Tuli, uh, man, I'm going to try to say the name here. Do you want to say it or should I? I'll, I'll go for it. Tuli, to. Pulutu. Yeah, that's a that's a better that's a better guess than I would have come up with. Let's just go by Thule. We'll just refer Thule. first name only. Okay, we'll call we'll we call don't want to it too badly. I I tried I tried uh, my heart, my last name's hard to pronounce too, so I get it. So so that but they lose him to to the NFL draft. Not a surprise when you're as productive as he is, and yeah, you have to find a way to replace him, right? And I think going by committee. Uh, is probably your your best bet because it's hard to find good transfer prospects uh, at defensive end. And this has not been a particularly good defensive end class. It's gotten better recently with some of the names emerging, Anthony Lucas being one of them. But yeah, it's like, so like Jared Verse went to Florida State last year and you mentioned earlier, man, that he, he returns. Like if he was on the open market this year with NIL, what it is now, like I would imagine he'd be getting anywhere between a million to two million annually because of of how good how good he is and, and his upside. Uh, but I don't know if a you know, a near double digit sack defensive end exists in this year's market. We will see. Anthony Lucas has the potential to become that uh, maybe not immediate this season because he's he's only going to be entering year two but someone who has the potential to develop that down the line and i think that's kind of the appeal for usc here as they've added a couple of pass rushers in georgia state transfer uh jamil muhammad who was really good in 2021 fell off a little bit this past year so more of an upside type of take for usc i think that's more indicative of the the transfer market at defensive end as mentioned earlier and then purdue defensive lineman transfer jack sullivan so they've added a couple guys already so again platoon approach but then anthony lucas to me is kind of like that that cherry on top that you say okay we could start being a little bit of a more creative now with how we're going to use our newcomers because anthony lucas is six foot six 270 pounds moves really well at that size there's some rawness to his game but the ability to say okay you can move him outside you can move him inside that length will be an asset almost instantly and that's a way they used Thule this past year so uh, you're gonna find someone who can help you play multiple spots on the defensive line which I think is super valuable and, and again the upside here is like you get him he can't transfer again until he's a grad transfer so you have him for at least the next few years of your USC and you gotta have this chance to to have the defense grow with him and him being a, a building block a centerpiece so however you want to describe it like yeah there's there's a, a, a good 
amount of value in this take. Again, I don't know if it's going to be an instant impact type of deal like some of the other players we're talking about, but uh, still a, a really good take for USC to, to build along its defensive line with. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, Anthony Lucas, a West Coast guy originally from the state of Arizona. So he goes from Texas A&M back closer to his home, not necessarily in, you know, not from Southern California, but, but back to the West Coast, back to the Pac-12 footprint. Obviously, USC soon to be in the Big Ten. I'm going to give it a try. Tuli, Tui Pulotu. I'm going to go with better, better than me. I think it's about confidence. I don't think either of us said it with a ton of confidence. I think we just streamed through it. No one would have noticed, but (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. We tried our best. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So so we go from one PAC 12 team in USC landing a, a hopefully impact defensive line transfer to another more North. And that is obviously in Eugene, Oregon. Jordan Birch goes from South Carolina to Oregon, a real headliner among the latest wave of entrants after the bowl games. Dan Lanning, he's accumulated a lot of talent early in his tenure with the Ducks. And Birch brings, of course, ready-made talent uh, to potentially play alongside with uh, another guy who could make an impact, a true freshman in, in Mateo Uyangalale. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do together. But what makes Birch uh, such a great fit in that Oregon defense and, and such a great fit really in Dan Lanning's defenses? Obviously, that's always been his calling card since back in Georgia. I love this. Love this fit for both parties because of Dan Lanning. Now, the interesting backstory to this is that when Dan Lanning was at Georgia, he almost got Jordan Birch to commit to him. Now, Jordan Birch is from Columbia, South Carolina. And if I'm not mistaken, he was in the 2020 recruiting cycle, uh, which is well documented at this point, like during the pandemic, those guys stayed home, right? Like a lot of a lot of players who were blue chip players stayed closer to home because they weren't able to go and visit as many places as they would like. And so he stayed in his hometown. So anyways, he was close, though, to go into Georgia. Like, I think that was second for him. Uh, he stayed home. And at the time, it was Dan Landing at Georgia. And and he was the closest to pulling Jordan Birch to go away from home. Fast forward a few years later, he's got Jordan Birch now going all the way across the country to Oregon. Dan Lanning is going to run this hybrid defense, which he did at such a high level at Georgia and and had some moderate success with in year one at Oregon. And Jordan Birch is a hybrid defender. And I think that's that's what you're talking about fit. Like, yeah, this this makes sense. He is a big, big defensive end uh, who can play inside some as well and be able to move him around. But like Birch really had this breakout campaign for South Carolina. He finally kind of hit what he was supposed to become. He had 40 quarterback pressures this past year. I think upwards of 70 tackles, maybe 60, somewhere in that range, both super productive in the run game and kind of started to turn that into becoming a good pass rusher as well. You watch him against Clemson and, and he's all over the place and he's being disruptive on stunts. He's setting the edge well. He's getting just pressure off the edge with this combination of like strength and contact balance. Like he, he was a ton of fun to watch and just seemed to get progressively better as the year went on. Clint has him ranked, I think, 94 overall, which makes him the number one edge defender. And again, a pretty mediocre defensive end class, but uh, he he is quite worthy of, of being a high-end uh, four-star guy because of, of this size, strength, coordination combination and as you mentioned like yeah there there is a need for help at at Oregon with pass rush like they did not have elite pass rushers this past year they were 127th nationally in sack rate they they had a sack on just 3.7 percent of of uh, passing attempts they defend this past year so there was not enough pass rush juice in Oregon last year they had a good offense again defense had some things that did well some things that did poorly uh, you can't be one of the worst in the country though in getting to the quarterback so that that has been addressed you get Mateo Ugalele and then you get 
Jordan Birch as well. Like you have some speed and size now on both sides of the uh, of the bracket there at defensive end. Like yeah, you got some bookend talent that that will help you quite a bit uh, on defense instantly. I, I think this is really custom fit for Jordan Birch because he goes to a place where he's needed, where he's going to be able to play right away. Goes to a coach who believes in him, who likes him. They have a pre-existing relationship, and I think most importantly, will know how to use him and will use him in a way that that really highlights his versatility. I I love this fit. I think it's perfect. Yeah, and of course, Jordan Birch was a five-star for us at 24-7 Sports in that 2020 class. And, and like you said, Brendan, really started to showcase that talent this past season. Of course, uh, they do add Mateo as well. So it will be fun to see them two next to, to one another. Remember, you can find the full list of best 2023 transfer portal fits over at 247sports.com. And you can follow Brendan and his work on Twitter at B. Sinone. Brendan, really appreciate you coming on and joining me today. Remember, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and click that subscribe button as well. So for Brendan Sinone, I am Lance Glenn. This has been the College Football Daily.